The NBA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN for 50% off of two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. We're also brought to you by our NBA Playoff Survivor Challenge. We're giving away $250 in cash and a $100 SGPN gift card. Sign up today exclusively on the SGPN app. Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Friday, April 14th, currently 11.02 on the East Coast, here to give our NBA betting picks for the two play-in tournament games tonight to determine who is going to be the eighth seed and get into the playoffs for this season. But joining me, Helping me to break it down. You guys know him as the voice of the Tennis Gambling Podcast, the NFL Gambling Podcast, the WNBA Gambling Podcast, and of course here on the NBA Gambling Podcast is Scott Studio Rachel. Scott, what's going on, my man? Yeah, I feel like I'm getting a little bit of deja vu because I believe we broke down the exact two games on the Mothership show yesterday. You ever get that feeling? We did. We did. We did. But uh, I feel like we we go more in depth on our show here than we do on on the mothership. I'm saying you get that feeling of deja vu, like we just talked about <laughs> these games within the last 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, what maybe 12, about, yeah, less than 24 hours actually. So yeah. yeah, a little feeling of deja vu. But hey, we're gonna do it for our listeners as we usually do. But um, yeah, man, two games left here tonight. We'll find out who the eight seeds are gonna be. But um, and that's. I guess we can dive into the games. Do you have anything else you want to discuss before we get into the games? Uh, I do want to discuss one thing I kind of want your opinion on. Sure. What are your thoughts on the actual schedule for the play-in? Do you think they should have both of these final play-in games on Friday? Or do you think they should have had one on Thursday, one on Friday? But, of course, you change around the actual dates of the first play-in games mm-hmm. and have one conference taken care of and then the other conference. Um, I just find it weird that the the seven eight matchups are one day, the nine ten are the other day, mm-hmm. and then you have an extra day off before the other game. Do you think it makes more sense if you just take care of one conference first, and that way you can have the final round of playing games divided up one game on Thursday, one game on Friday? Yeah, I think you can do it that way. Um, Unless you like it this way, I'm just wondering. Yeah, because with the East. The East, well, Chicago played on Wednesday, right? Yeah, you had both eight and nine games on one day, and then you had the, or yeah, then you had the nine ten matchups the other day. But that's why I was kind of wondering if you think it actually makes sense to keep it this way, or does it make sense to just divide up the days by conference? And that way, if you wanted to have a standalone game for back to back days, you can do Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not opposed to it. I think. I also think it depends on like who's actually like in the tournament. I know they're trying to maximize like the TV ratings. Like we had LA, like it was a what you have the obviously the last night game is usually either going to be the central time zone or the West Coast time zone. And I think I think a lot of it depends on that. But I mean, I'm not opposed to your idea. I think that obviously these two whoever the winners don't tonight don't obviously play till Sunday, right? Yeah. their game one so i just found it kind of fascinating that you had two solid days of playing tournament games and then you figure all right we're ready to go for the final ones and it's like no we have an extra day off 
Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to kill the entire momentum because people who want to watch it are still going to watch it. I just found it a little bit fascinating. I think it should be like at a neutral site. Like you'd actually play it as a tournament where you play in back-to-back nights. I read, I, somewhere on, I read on Twitter a pretty funny idea that they should put all of the play-in games at date in Dayton because that's where they'd have like the play-in games for the March Madness tournament on occasion. So yeah. they just throw all the play-in <laughs> games in Dayton and Dayton's officially known for being like the play-in hub yeah. of any sport. <laughs> I, I, that kind of made me laugh, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> guys chiming in into the chat, Jake's in there. Um, he watched hockey last night. If that tells you anything, yeah, it was so slow night in, yeah, slow night in uh, sports. At least last night it was. I know we only had one baseball game or two baseball games, and then hockey. I think it was the last day of the regular season, and then uh, hockey. Actually, the final day is today, but it was, it was two games today, right? It was the final day for about. 90% of the league. There's just a couple yeah. of games left over for today. Yeah. Um, so I guess the NBA says uh, it's going to be center stage today. I know there's baseball as well, but um, let's get into it here, Scott. Or before we get into it, let me tell everyone about our um, newest partner. That is Shady Rays. Shady Rays uh, kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've ever worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection. In all of eyewear, every pair of sunglasses is backed by the lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back. Long after your purchase with Shady Rays, you can look good and feel good. To date, they have donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. And if you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays has given out their best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN. For 50% off of two or more pair of polarized sunglasses, try for yourself. The shade's rated five stars by over 200,000 people. And if you're listening to this or watching live, you need to get into the NBA Survivor Challenge. It is completely free to enter. It's exclusively on the SGPN app, but the winner gets $250 in cash and a $100 SGPN gift card to the merch store. So again, it's a free contest. It's a survivor challenge for the NBA playoffs. If you haven't hopped in already, do so before the games tip off on Saturday for the NBA survivor challenge. All right, Scott, uh, two games on the schedule, obviously here for the eight seeds. Uh, we'll just, I guess we'll go in chronological order. We'll start with the Chicago Bulls. They are going to be in South Beach here tonight to take on the Miami Heat. Um, currently, the line is sitting at five and a half in favor of the home team. And the total is currently at 208 and a half. I think this number ticked up, I think, from last night. I swear I remember either seeing it at 207 and a half or 208. But um, as of right now, it is sitting at 208 and a half. Um, these two teams did match up, I believe, three times during the regular season. And I believe, yeah, uh, the Chicago Bulls 
won all three of those matchups this season. In each of those games, they scored 113 points or more in all three of those games. They won by 8, 10, and then the latest game on March 18, they won by 14. Um, Scott, let's start with the side here. Are we just fading the Chicago, oh, sorry, the Miami Heat at home as a favorite again, or do you think Heat have a chance in this game to cover the spread and advance as an eight seed? Of course, anything's possible because Chicago was down 19 against Toronto, but I, I can't lay the points with Miami here. I feel like all of the flaws that we noticed with Miami early on really just they didn't go away anytime during the regular season and during the playoffs. Miami's main issue in our eyes was their potentially aging core and the fact that offensively they left a lot to be desired and they didn't really look good offensively against the Hawks. They scored 105 points, but they got 33 from Kyle Lowry, which nobody thought was going to happen, and they still only scored 105 points. So now Jimmy Butler had an off game. It happens, but what we kind of expected to happen if Paul, if uh, you saw Jimmy Butler struggle is what happened. They didn't have anybody else who was really capable of stepping up any of the stars. Adebayo looked like he wanted nothing to do with the basketball throughout the course of the game. And Miami just seemed like they were a step behind. It seemed like they were a step slow the entire game. Now, defensively, they were okay. They couldn't rebound. Atlanta rebounded them by 24. So if Chicago can clean up on the glass, they'll be able to have a good game. Now, Vucevic isn't as good of a rebounder as Capella. He's still pretty good at rebounding. You still have DeRozan and Levine who can rebound a bit, even like Patrick Williams and company. Do you think the you think that uh, there might be a little bit of a boost for Drummond? Because I can see Drummond having a, a very good rebounding game in like 18 minutes. Do you think that's a possibility? He gets a little bit of a boost? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, even if you played like, I mean, there's instances this season, even all throughout his career, where even it comes in for like five, six, seven, eight minutes, he already has like six rebounds, uh, does Andre Drummond. So I think obviously it's it's all hands on deck, right? I think Billy Donovan is going to have to, you know, if he needs Drummond, I don't think he'll be afraid to use him. That's going to be the main thing that that's probably that's got to be the main takeaway from the first playing game for Miami. It was the first takeaway for me was the fact that at a bio, I know Terrell's been roasting for a long time that he occasionally gets a little soft when it comes to rebounding. But I, I think that Drummond actually has a decent role in this game if Chicago tries to copy the bully ball mentality that the Hawks showed in that first playing game. But I'm going to go with Chicago. They're 3-0 in the head-to-head in the regular season. I know playoff basketball is different, but Levine we saw catch fire in the second half when he had 30 points. We saw DeRozan have a couple of big plays in the fourth, including that massive dunk that he had with a couple minutes to go. I think Chicago matches up well against this Miami team. And once again, we've talked about this ad nauseum all year long. Miami's home court, extremely overrated because they don't cover the number. So I'm going to go with Chicago. I think this game's very close. I think Chicago's got a good chance to win the game, but I'll take them plus five and a half. If Miami does win this game or if they lose this game, I see a one-possession game with about 20 seconds left. I'll take my chances. Give me the Bulls plus five and a half. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm on the Bulls here as well. I mean, first, it does go back to the trend that we we talked about all season with the Miami Heat uh, about fading them at home as a favorite. Um, I just think that, and we talked about this when we did the recap, Scott, uh, on, was it Wednesday or, sorry, yesterday, about how the Bulls 
didn't cave. I mean, they could have easily folded up at halftime where they were down double digits, but I think it really spoke volumes to me that they came out in the second half and again, we talked about it, it's led by Zach Levine. The defensive intensity was up in that fourth quarter, and I thought, I think, I thought they were going to fold. I, I I did too. I, I when I looked at that halftime score, I said, "Okay, well, Chicago looks like they're they're gonna you know one two three Cancun." But you know, we we talked about it at volumes, right? I've mentioned this several times that the defensive intensity that was brought by Patrick Beverly and Alex Caruso in that game, I think, really was a difference. Sure, obviously, the free throw shooting was a, a big disparity of about the number of misses that they had did the Toronto Raptors. And if they would have maybe knocked down six or seven more of the 18 that they missed, this would be a different conversation. But uh, I think they're coming into this game. I think they, they're really high on their confidence and they know that they've beaten this full, sorry, this heat team three times during the regular season. Um, I, I do like this. I, I do like the bulls here tonight as well. I think they do also win the game here tonight. Uh, against the Miami Heat. Like you mentioned, this is an aging roster. And again, this is a team for the Miami Heat. We talk about identity. Like, what is the identity of this team? It's just Jimmy Butler. And you're throwing veterans around him or guys. Even at a bio, like, vanish. That's the, that's the point about identity. I don't even know how many people they have. If you even identify what their I- identity is, how many consistent players actually exemplify that identity? Because Butler yeah, is that's what I'm a, Butler's a tough player mentally. Yeah, is the rest of the team going to follow in his footsteps? They didn't in the first play-in game, and Butler wasn't even that good in the first place. Missed a bunch of layups too. So I agree with you. But when you're talking about even trying to pinpoint in a specific identity that you can describe this Miami t- team with, how many players can consistently kind of just back up that identity and i don't know how many there actually are because it seems like this team is pretty soft yeah and when it when we talk about the miami heat it's really like obviously first guy that comes to mind is jimmy buckets right mm. after that it's your guess on who is going to step up for this team but when we look on the other side for the chicago bulls it's okay you know zach levine demar derozan zach levine sometimes could be a little bit erratic in the amount of shots that he does get up but you got to give the guy credit. He does have the green line, and he he can knock the shot down. But with Demar, I know he's probably dealing with an injury. That's why he hasn't been, I guess, scoring the ball as much as we've seen during the regular season. But he had a lot of success against this uh, Bulls team. We'll get into the player props here in a second. But trying to go back to spread, yeah, I'm taking the plus five and a half here with the Chicago Bulls, also on the money line uh, for the Bulls here tonight as well. Total right now, Scott sitting at two oh eight and a half. Any thoughts on that? I think I am going to lean under, and I was okay. wrong about the under in that Bulls game against Toronto, which on one hand I could say was unlucky, and the other hand I could say was not really – luck wasn't involved because if Toronto made any decent amount of free throws, the game would have flown over anyway. But you had 60-plus points in the fourth quarter, and the game went over by one point. So I was a bit unfortunate there based on how the game ended. But I am going to lean under. I think at the end of the day we saw Chicago play a lot slower – than some people thought. I I wasn't totally surprised. Miami, I don't think this team's going to want to run. And the truth is, I don't think they really should. I, I think Miami's going to try to stick with what they usually do, which is letting Butler try to cook in isolation, letting out a bio, potentially get some moments there and pick and rolls and trying to dive to the basket. They need out a bio to get going, and I think that's probably the best way to get him going. But if I ask you what you think the pace is going to be, in a must-win game, win or go home, 
usually that's more uh that's more indicative of a lower scoring game because of both teams really trying to be methodical with their offensive sets and both teams really trying to avoid giving up fast break points as yeah. much as they possibly can mm-hmm. i'm going to lean under in a must-win game, win or go home, I usually lean to unders. It's like betting an under in game seven. You don't really think much about it. You just do it. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm looking at this. I see this game finishing in the low 200s. I think one of these teams, if none of these teams, get to 200. I'm going to go with the under. Yeah. Um, man, I hate it when these totals are this low. I mean, obviously this low for a reason. But I'm, I'm sticking with default game seven. You know, yeah, I'm expecting both sense. teams to really, really do whatever they can to avoid giving up mistakes and free baskets to the other team. Not to mention the fact that you might get one really ugly quarter with 40 points in it or 43 points in it. And suddenly your total actually doesn't look that bad. Yeah. Um couple people chiming in about some bulls bets or this game bets here tonight um dfini in probably butchering that but he says likes the bulls team total over 101 um and bulls to cover plus five and a half uh my guy wham shout out to wham what's going on wham uh you got bulls plus 180 on the money line uh delante also checking he's got the heat first quarter um jr says he's leaning with the bulls as well yeah i I think i really do like that team total over for the uh my uh, sorry for the bulls at 101 i think that's i mean i think that's really low i think that well we think chicago is going to win the game yeah they got a good chance to so yeah so i think it's a little bit correlated there so i do as far as a total i do like the chicago bulls team total to go over um like i know it was a regular season but they scored about 113 in each of those matchups uh this season against the uh chicago sorry against the miami heat so um under full game for scott and then i will take the bulls team total over uh, I feel better just, about the I feel better about the Bulls side than I do about the total. But if yeah, you're asking me for a total this low, first of all, I'd probably wait because I, I, I even see some 209s out there. So it does seem like money has come in on the over, probably on principle because it's an NBA total in 2023 that's below 210. So yeah. people are going to blindly bet it. I'll wait and see. Maybe I'll jump in live if it ever crosses like 213. But I'm really concerned about the first quarter just being an absolute rock fight for the first six minutes Yeah, where you see a nine, eight game in the first six minutes and go, why the hell didn't I take the under? Yeah, I can see that happening. I'm going to expect that type of opening. I don't mind the first quarter under. It would not surprise me if you get a really ugly, both teams are extremely tight to start action and you might be able to find a first quarter that doesn't even break 50. Yeah, let me see if I can find a first quarter. I don't know if you agree with that type of game flow, but that's kind of what I expect in these game sevens because people always expect the fourth quarter to be ugly, and they're not wrong. But the Mm. first quarter is never pretty either because both teams are so nervous and both teams are so paranoid about making mistakes that it kind of messes with the actual flow of the game, and you get a really ugly first five, six minutes. Yeah, I mean, that Chicago and the Toronto game, first quarter score was 28-23. I currently see a 50-and-a-half, so definitely shop around for the best number. I'm sure there's 51s out there with the total starting to creep up a little bit. But um, in that game, Chicago was down 5-28-23. And then in the Hawks and the Heat game, 
Hawks just came out on fire in that first quarter. I mean, they were getting whatever they wanted as far as second second chance points were going in, points around the basket. They were up 36 Hawks. Um, and then he had 27, so that one could win over. But other than that, after that, it really did slow down. I mean, they had 52, 54, and then 52 so for the rest of the game. So if you think that, like Scott said, if, the, if there's just not to be a rock fight within that first five, six, seven minutes, maybe you're able to get a, a good number to come back on the over. But if they come out, let's say it's like 13, 14 within that first six minutes, you could come back with an under because you do expect the defense to in, the defensive intensity and the focus to really um, show up in the second half, especially in that fourth quarter where the game really slows down. So, um. Uh, yeah, those are a couple of ways that you can attack it on the live market. Uh, Scott, let's get into some player props here. What do you like in this game as far as player props? So I feel like we're going to start off with the superstars or the stars in this game, obviously. I feel like I have to give out something with Levine just because worst case scenario, the volume is going to be nuts. I don't know why Chicago would pivot from anything that happened in the second half. Levine has really proven over the last couple of months for better or worse, that he's the main, main focal point of this offense. And DeRozan, whether it's injury or not, he's taken a back seat. I think we can mm-hmm. agree on that. Levine yep. is going to be the main option offensively. So if you're talking about a guy who's going to go down with the ship, so to speak, I got to be tempted by Levine over because it, either for points or for threes, because you know Levine's not going to stop shooting. Levine yeah. is going to shoot the ball north of what, 22 times in this game? Probably closer to 25. Yeah. I so agree. I'm going to go with Levine overs here. I just think it's a good spot for him to really put his, you know, stamp on this game. And I think that you'll end up seeing him really perform relatively well because of it. Now, I do want to look up his numbers against Miami this season, which I'm pulling up right now. Uh, so far this season, I believe his numbers are <laughs> fine against Miami. Uh, going through the games here, he had 18, 21. Uh, he actually only played against Miami twice this season. So he had 18 and 21, but he attempted less than 14 shots in each of those two games. And he shot above 53% in both those games. So I expect to see an uptick in volume. I see Levine did have seven assists mm-hmm. in each of those first two meetings. I also find it weird that Levine only attempted one free throw in 38 minutes in the last meeting, and he only attempted five free throws in the first meeting, I expect that number to go up. But I think Levine probably has a good offensive game, either with points, with threes, or even assists. I think he's going to have the ball in his hands all the time. Yeah, I see his threes at two and a half right now um, for tonight. I think he's knocked down three or more in, I think, the last four career, three career games against the uh, Miami Heat. I, I think we talked about this on uh, Tuesday when we were previewing the Hawks and the Heat game that the Heat three-point defense this season was bottom tier. They were down there with the Houston Rockets and the San Antonio Spurs as far as bad three-point defenses. So I think Zach Levine definitely for three-pointers is worth a look here tonight. Um, what are your thoughts on DeMar DeRozan 21 and a half? Points. DeRozan's tricky because he really did a solid job of helping close the game with a couple of nice plays around the rim, had a couple free throws, classic DeRozan. I had the I had the under half a three-pointer, and that got there. He only attempted one three. So I'd go back to the well. I would take the under threes for DeRozan. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just not going to attempt many, simply put. Uh, but if you're looking at the overall numbers for DeRozan recently, he ended up having 23 
in that game against the Raptors. A mm-hmm. lot of it was second half based. But yeah. besides that, he had 16, 8, 21, 31, 23, 22, 21. So it's close, but he's probably going to play 38, 39 minutes in this game, which makes it a little bit difficult to fully love the under because of the boost in minutes. I think I'm just going to go back to the prop that worked for me as my dog last episode. I'm going with DeRozan under half a three-pointer, and the logic is simple. DeRozan knows he's not a three-point shooter. He knows Mm -hmm. that every possession matters in the playoffs, and as a result, the volume's not going to be there. And we saw that with Jimmy Butler as well in that game against Atlanta. They know their skill sets, and I'm sure they know in the back of their mind, regular season, we'll shoot a couple. Playoffs, maybe I'll take one with the shot clock going down, but for the sake of a pretty decent plus-money play, I don't mind the under half a three-pointer for DeRozan or Butler or both because I really don't see them attempting many since they know in order to help their team win, they probably shouldn't be attempting that many threes. Yeah, the three games he played this season against the Miami Heat, 37, 24, and 24, and those were games where he did play heavy minutes, 36 minutes, 40 minutes, and 41 minutes for DeMar DeRozan in those three regular season games. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think I do like the over on DeMar DeRozan here tonight. Twenty, I see it now at 22 and a half at minus 105. Under three, under half a three for DeMar tonight is at plus 115, Scott. Just for what it was last game. Once yeah. again, he only attempted one of them. Uh, Miami is really bad at defending the three, mm-hmm. but we know that DeRozan and Butler don't exactly have quick releases. It's not Kyle yeah. Anderson slow, but they like to take their time to actually set And I think as a result, that's going to, of course, allow defenders ample time to pressure some three-point shots if needed. I don't see many, if any, three-point attempts between these two guys, maybe one apiece. So you might have to dodge one. But I do think plus money for a prop that we just won on, I'm not afraid of it. We're just rolling over the profit from last episode. I'll keep doing it. The only other, or not the only other, but another prop that I did like was either Patrick Beverly over half a block or steals and blocks combined over one and a half. That one's at minus 120. Um, again, or at least in the game against Toronto, I, I did play Alex Caruso last game where he just crushed it, but now that big is all the way up to minus 175 for Caruso. But against uh, the Raptors, Patrick Beverly did have one steal, one block. Uh, in his last four games, he's recorded at least one steal and at least one block. So over one and a half, I think that's something I'm looking at. Um, and if we do again expect this to be a a defensive game, a low scoring game, you know, there's going to be those opportunities for block shots and steals as well. Um, and then the other player, as far as blocks and or sorry, blocks and rebounds, blocks and steals, I did like was Patrick Williams for the Chicago Bulls. Um, Last game against Toronto, he had two and two steals, two blocks. Uh, going back to his last five games, he's had over one and a half in four out of the last five games. And then against the Heat, I thought um, when I was looking, he also had some pretty good success as far as some steals and blocks. So he's had at least one steal in four straight career games against the Miami Heat. And then the last matchup on the 18th, he also had two blocks in that game. So um, I was looking at those two player props. I do want to ask. Yeah, I was going to say uh, it's a pretty obscure player prop, but he has been getting a decent amount of minutes lately. 
I see Kobe White's assists are at, are at around two and a half. Mm-hmm. It is juiced. It's around like minus 160 or so. But he was pretty solid, at least in limited action in the last game against Toronto. I believe he had five assists in that game. Uh, you're going down the line of White's recent games, uh, including the Toronto game, 5-1, 11-1, 3, 4, 7, 9, 5, 6, 9, 3. Once again, the number's two and a half. And in the last game against Miami, he ended up playing 27 minutes and he had six assists. Yeah. Doesn't two and a half feel very low for a guy that's gotten more run over the last month? I, I think that if he ends up playing in the realm of 20 minutes, I definitely think he can get over this number for sure. Um it could be a nice parlay piece if you want to, if you don't want to lay that vig. But yeah, I think definitely it's a realm of possibility that he gets over this number of two and a half. You can try to gamble and maybe go for an alt line of three and a half and take an over. But once again, two and a half for a backup point guard that should probably play north of 18 minutes because I thought he was decent against Toronto in limited action. He was a good facilitator for this for the bench unit. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's probably some value on the over and Kobe White assist. Yep. Anything else for this game, Scott? No, not really. You have anything? You go, with, you go with Vucevic rebounds, just hoping that Miami once again forgets how to rebound the ball. He's been pretty good against the Heat rebounding the basketball. It's at 10.5. I know Toronto's a different animal when it comes to rebounding. Um, yeah, I think at 10.5, I could get there with it. I don't hate it. We have thoughts on, on his rebounds? 10 and I half? thought about it too, but as you know, Vucevic has been a guy who I can't exactly – uh, go to the window with because every time I try to, he kills me on the boards. Yeah. But it's more of just a personal bias. It's a pretty good matchup, and Miami proved in that first play-in game at a bio is pretty soft. Yeah. So. Uh, all right. Before we get over to the second game of the night, let me tell everyone about Sword Vitality. It's the weekend. You're probably have some plans lined up, maybe with your partner or maybe you have a date and maybe you're struggling a little bit in the bedroom. That's where sword vitality comes in. You need to take care of yourself. It's nothing to be ashamed about because self-care, it's cool. It's manly. Be proud of taking care of yourself. 40% of men are affected by impotence at the age of 40 and nearly 70% of men are affected by the age of 70. Don't stop at that gas station talking about you're going to get a six-pack of beer and some cigarettes where you're really buying those highly suspect pills in the gas stations, and you don't need to hide that little blue pill in your sock drawer anymore. You manscape, but you also take care of the plumbing. Sword Vitality helps increase your blood flow in ways that help you thrive as a man. It's time to become a Sword Vitality man if you aren't experiencing erections in the morning. There's three main benefits that will help you out. Increase blood flow in ways that help you thrive as a man in the bedroom. Sword Vitality can also help increase your stamina. You don't have to hide it. You can be proud of it. Unsheath your sword. Visit SwordVitality.com and use promo code SGPN for a nice discount at checkout. That's SwordVitality.com using promo code SGPN. And look, if you're struggling in the bedroom, that's one thing. But if you're also struggling in your dating life, let Talkify help you out. Life is full of what if. So what if you want to try something new when it comes to dating? Talkify is a new way to meet other serious singles, and what if they can help you find what you're looking for in a partner? Are you having a hard time meeting people to date? Why do you keep trying those same methods over and over if you're just setting yourself up to fail? It's time to say goodbye to swiping and bring back the human touch to dating with Talkify. Confidence is always a key in anything that we do, especially in dating. 
But if you're struggling to find worthwhile connections, it can be difficult to feel your best when meeting new people. With Talkify, you feel confident that you're meeting someone special who was picked just for you. Talkify is the country's number one modern matchmaking service that is designed to help you achieve relationship goals. Their trusted compatibility specialists hand select success- successful and compelling candidates so you can date cautiously and productively. Here's how it works. The Talkify Matchmakers meet with you to learn about what you're looking for in a partner. Then they'll select and screen potential match candidates for you doing background checks, video interviews, and asking the tough questions that are too awkward for first dates. From there, your matchmaker plans your dates, introductions, and handles all the communications for you, creating a safe and stress-free dating experience. Talkify is committed to finding your match. 80% of clients met their person within the first 12 matches. And right now, Talkify is offering our listeners 20% off when you become a client at Talkify.com slash SGPN. That's T-A-W-K-I-F-Y dot com slash SGPN for 20% off when you become a client. Talkify.com slash SGPN. All right, Scott, second game of the night. It's going to be the Western Conference matchup for the eighth seed between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves. Same spread in this game as well. Currently seeing the Minnesota Timberwolves are a five and a half point favorite. Uh, the total right now is at 228 and a half. I do believe Rudy Gobert should play in this game. It's not, com- I don't think he's confirmed in yet. Um, but again, keep your eyes out um, on Twitter for that information. Uh, obviously, the Oklahoma City Thunder took care of business against the New Orleans Pelicans. They won that game 123-118, led by their two young studs, Josh Giddy and SGA. Minnesota dropped the game in overtime against the LA Lakers, where they weren't, uh, I guess we can say they had some shrinkage when it came to scoring in that fourth quarter and overtime. Um, but Scott, let's start with the side here, minus five and a half for the Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves. While you give your take, I will look up their regular season matchups. Well, I already have the regular season matchups in front of me. So Minnesota did fare well in the regular season. Minnesota did go three and one. However, each meeting occurred in either December or before that. So I'm tossing all those meetings in the garbage because why am I going to focus on matchups that happened four plus months ago? and expect it to have any implications on this game. Now, the one thing you can make an argument that should not exactly change from those games is the fact that Minnesota, shockingly, should dominate the glass because they're going to have Gobert and Towns, and we know that the Thunder kind of just abolished the thought of using an actual center on their team. They just use a bunch of forwards, and they try to get out and run. I do think even though Gobert and Towns should have good games on the boards, We saw OKC overcome it against the Pelicans with Valanchunas, and we saw that with Giddy and Shea being able to take over the game. I think that Minnesota has serious problems late in games, and it's because of the fact that I know people constantly compare Edwards to being the superstar guy who's a future star. I've even heard like young Jordan comparisons and young Kobe comparisons. I don't know what people are looking at. I I know that he has a certain swagger about him, and I'm not ignoring that. But people keep – it's so easy to compare somebody to being an all-time great as opposed to actually being an all-time great. I, I think Edwards is a solid player, but I think that after struggling so badly in that last game, I don't think he's going to be that bad again. 
especially because mm-hmm. OKC is not a great defensive team. But when you're asking me who I trust the most late in games on both rosters, I trust Shea the most, obviously, not even close. I think that Shea's the most trustworthy guy in crunch time. I probably trust Giddy second because he went for 31, 9, and 10 in his first postseason game. Yeah. And he had a couple of big moments down the stretch there. I probably got Edwards third. I don't even know where I have Towns. I don't trust Towns with a 10-foot pull with the game on the line. And he froze entirely in the final 12 minutes of that game. I believe he started the Lakers game five for five, and he was doing very well. And then the second half came around, and he wanted nothing to do with the basketball. He refused to post up against the likes of, I mean, trying to think of who the Lakers even switched on to him. Austin Reeves on a couple of possessions, and Towns is running away into the corner. Towns wants nothing to do with the ball late in games, and that's why I can't trust Minnesota. It's because with Finch as their coach, they don't run many sets with the game on the line, and they didn't run any sets in the final couple minutes there against the Lakers. Besides that, though, if you're asking me if I think this game's going to be close, which I do, which team do I trust the most, and that team's getting five and a half, I'm going to take the team getting five and a half that I know would at least not be scared with the game on the line. Give me the thunder and crunch time. I'll take them plus the points, and I'll take them on the money line. Yeah, I think that Rudy Gobert does end up playing here tonight, obviously. And I you know Justin pointing out Towns is officially questionable, but he's going to play in this game. Um, I think what you mentioned about who do you trust more down the stretch to make the right plays, I think this is something that I mentioned um, in the Cavs and the Knicks yeah. uh, series is that, yeah, I do trust Josh Giddy. And SGA more. I think those are definitely uh, SGA is the best pl- player on the floor. There's no question about that in my mind. I think a lot of people can agree with that. I am an Anthony Edwards fan. I'm not. I'm not saying that he's not. I'm a not great trying player. to. I, I like his game too. But you yeah. constantly hear him being compared to these all all time greats. And truth is, Edwards for a guy who's being compared to those type of legends, he has a lot of really really bad games. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And. I think it kind of goes back at the beginning of the season. I don't know if this matters much now or anymore, but I still think the when it comes down to the fourth quarter or when those they the Wolves have the stretches where they have the dry spells, they're still at this point of the season trying to figure I mean, you know, Carol Anthony Towns missed what 50 plus games, but when you have Rudy Gobert and Cat on the floor at the same time, that's I think where the offense really struggles for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think we saw that early in the season where I know they were going to go through some growing pains when you have two big men, but also the fact that like you there's mentioned, no yeah, there's no spacing and cat doesn't want anything to do with the ball late in the fourth, in the, in the fourth quarter when it comes down to crunch time. And then you're relying on Anthony Edwards to either hit a fadeaway three point shot or try to get to the basket and draw a foul and get to the free throw line. I, I just think that for this Minnesota Timberwolves team, there's a lot of things to figure out when it comes to the offseason. But at least for this game, when you when it comes down to again making the right play, I'm trusting SGA more. I think that we we said it on the recap show. I believe that OKC is kind of playing with house money. Like nobody expected this team to be here we thought that or at least i thought it would be another year where they were headed to the lottery and getting some more draft capital but here they are their win total is like 23 yeah and they crushed it right they they ended up with what 40 wins 41 wins 40 wins 
So I think they're still live in this game. I am on the plus five and a half on the on the Oklahoma City Thunder here. I think the two studs in between Josh Giddy and uh, um, SGA have a big game. But I do need to see someone else step up. Is that going to be Lou Dort again, who was fantastic in that first half against the New Orleans Pelicans? Possibly. Uh, but I think one of the Jalen Williams is should have a game here tonight, whether it's contributing scoring the basketball or doing their part of rebounding the basketball here tonight. Um, so I'm with you. I'll take OKC plus the five and a half here as well. Um, thoughts on the total here, and then we'll get to some player props. I know guys are already chiming with some player props here, but 228 and a half here. Uh, Scott, what are you thinking about that? I think I have to lean to the under because on one hand, as I said before, most winner go home games tend to go under because both teams are a bit more nervous, especially with younger cores. I could see this being a bit of an ugly start to this game, but you're looking at what Minnesota wants to do. They occasionally run, but with Gobert back in the lineup, you're assuming they're going to play slow and they weren't exactly playing fast against the Lakers. That game was a rock fight. I had the under in that game and that cashed easily even after overtime, but Gobert still solid at at least at least trying to contest shots by the rim, which is what the Thunder want to do. So Mm -hmm. I can see Gobert impacting shots around the rim. And we talk about this with Minnesota's offense and how underwhelming it was with Cat and with Gobert in the lineup together. They also didn't didn't play many games together because Towns missed about, what, four months? Give or take, three, four months. It was like 50-plus games, yeah. And then he came back, and they barely had a games to actually figure anything out. So I'm not sure that the chemistry is there yet, if it ever will be with those two playing together. Mm-hmm. So I don't like the spacing for Minnesota's offense. Minnesota played a lot slower against the Lakers, and the Lakers were one of the fastest teams in the league uh, during the regular season. Yeah, I like the under. I think you'll see an uglier game here uh, where both teams might be a little bit nervous. and You might see a bunch of really bad possessions because of the nerves. But I think you're going to end up seeing a lower scoring game I'll go with the under. I think you'll see a game that probably lands somewhere in the high two teens, the low two twenties. But two twenty eight and a half, I think, is a little bit too high. I'm going to lean to the under. Yeah, I was having trouble with the total in this game. Um, initially, I leaned towards the over, but then when we talk about you know the ramifications of this game of you being the eight seed, um, or if you even want to be the eight seed, um, I think the the defense will ramp up here. I know the game did fly over in the Pelicans and the Thunder game, but um, I might just get to a Thunder team total over here. I think I kind of like that better. Um, I want to go back and look at how their three-point shooting was for the Thunder in the game against the Pelicans. Uh, let's see here. I'm assuming it wasn't good because it I wasn't know- that great. It was 11 of 37, but it was really more that they got to the free throw line and were able to knock down 28 of 32 that they attempted. They shot 45% from the floor. Um, so there was a lot of fouls being called in that game. They had 62 combined uh, total free throws between the Pelicans and the Thunder. Does it change any of your mind that Scott Foster is officiating this game tonight? I don't know who he would benefit. The league probably wants OKC in it, right? If you want to use the conspiracy angle, I'm assuming OKC is the better team to have in there. Yeah, I was just going to point out because I was looking at some of the ref stats that Scott Foster was number three or third best referee towards the over uh, this regular season. He was also the third best referee for home teams against the spread. 38 and 20 against the spread, 
for home teams, ATS, and then the over 37 and 21 in games officiated by Scott Foster, an average final score of 231.8, round that up to 232. So I don't mind with Foster being the ref because if we're talking about free throws and how Scott Foster is going to make sure his kids are watching the game on TV to see him, mm -hmm. Shea's going to the line 12 plus times because Shea is an expert at getting to the line. So that doesn't even concern me that much. If you do see him have a quick trigger for calling fouls, that means Shea is going to the line probably 15 plus times. Yeah. Yeah. So that doesn't bother me. I'm going to lean to uh, the Thunder in that game. Uh, I see Nick okay. pointing out, you know, Anthony Edwards is only 21, so I might be, be being a bit hard on him. I, I didn't say he's a bad player. I think he is a future franchise player on a team. I'm just saying right now, from what I've seen in his brief NBA career, if he's the best player in your franchise, how good is your franchise? Probably not great right now. I'm not saying that Edwards is never going to turn into a top 20 player, top 10 player in the league. But right now, at the age of 21, people expect him to take over every game and more often than not, I've seen him come up short. Yeah. I mean, look, he's still 21 years old. I yeah, think. he's going to become an amazing player. But right now at 21, I think he's overrated. Yeah, I mean, he just got, what, legalized to drink uh, pretty much <laughs> uh, at the age of 21. So, I mean, look, I think he's going to be a great player for yeah. the future. There's no doubt he's going to be one of the and top defensively, players. Defensively, he has a gear that he can be great, but the effort yeah. defensively is a little bit hit or miss. Yeah. So that can be a bit of a problem at times. Yeah. I Once again, I think he's a very solid player, but when you hear the words franchise player and future face of the league, I kind of have to see a bit more with regard to results because what exactly has he won? They lost to Memphis in the first round last year. They lost a home. They lost a uh, game to the Lakers where he shot what three for seventeen. Yes, I think it was like three. I, I need to see a bit more from like Edwards that. on a regular basis in big moments before I crown him as being the future face of the league that can take over any game. I need to see more examples of it. Yep. All right, let's get to some player props here. Anything that you do like for this game? I mean, do you automatically look at Rudy Gobert rebounds? I think you have to be tempted by it, but the back injury has me a bit concerned where if his back does lock up on him, I can see Gobert taking himself out of a game. I can see that. Okay. So maybe Towns rebounds I'm considering, but I think I'm just going to go with Giddy rebounds. Somebody's going to have to rebound the ball. Like yeah. Giddy is their best rebounding player. You can argue one of the Jalen Williamses, but for the most part, Giddy has embraced a bigger role rebounding. He's had a couple of like 15 plus rebound games in the regular season. I'll look for Giddy rebounds. You know, he's going to play a bunch of minutes. You know that he's not afraid of getting uh, very involved with the boards because they need him to. I like Giddy rebounds here. I think Giddy's got a good shot at a double-double. Maybe I'd take a, a stab on that because he could get the assists or the rebounds. I thought about triple-double maybe for Giddy, but I'm not sure if I think he's going to actually get there or not. I, I do like Giddy rebounds, though. I think he is going to be pretty involved Somebody's going to have to help out on the board. It's going to be a team effort trying to deal with Gobert and with Towns. I think I'm looking at Giddy for rebounds if I had to pick one guy from OKC. Yeah, I was looking at Giddy rebounds and assists here tonight. Um, like you mentioned, he was close to a triple-double. I think he was what, one, one rebound short of it uh, yeah. against the Pelicans. So, you know, he's going to fill up the statue. We've seen that him do that over and over again. 
throughout his career or his short career or in this season, I should say, for Josh Giddy. So um, Jake pointing out he liked uh, Jalen Williams, Jalen with an I over five and a half rebounds. Uh, yeah, I don't hate that. Um, By the way, I, pull, I pulled up Giddy's uh, numbers just stats wise against Minnesota in his career. Mm-hmm. So in two of the three meetings this season, the last two meetings actually, Giddy had twelve plus rebounds. Uh, Giddy has had at least eleven rebounds in four of his six career games against Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, double digits, right? You said. Yeah, he's had yeah, at least yeah. eleven. Yeah, in four of the six meetings in his career against the Timberwolves, so I like Giddy rebounds. Yeah, that number is at eight and a half right now. I don't hate that. Um, that was really pretty much the only thing I was looking at as far as tempted by the SGA points, but I think that number's spot on right now at thirty-two and yeah. a half. Um, so I, I couldn't get there, but I think Josh Giddy rebounds uh, plus assist for me was the way I was looking. Anything else that you did like here, Scott, for player props in this game? Uh, just looking around, I thought about taking something with Kyle Anderson because I had his rebounds and assists over in that Lakers game and that cashed in three quarters. I thought he was going to do a better job on the boards. He really didn't do much, but it was all assist-based. I feel like I have to go back to Anderson assists. You're assuming yeah. with Gobert back in the lineup that the rebounds probably won't be there for him anyway. Mm-hmm. But Anderson was so good at facilitating in that game. And Conley caught fire from three, so he was more of a of just a spot-up three-point shooter throughout that game. And they really ran a lot of pick-and-rolls with Anderson being the ball handler, and it was very successful. And I think that if you're looking at Dort probably being on Anthony Edwards, you might see a lot more of Kyle Anderson, of uh, yeah, Kyle Anderson being the main ball handler in various sets. I don't mind Anderson assists here. I think the number is a little bit low. I believe it was at six and a half. Now, his numbers against the Thunder assist-wise have not exactly been great this season. But once again, those matchups were four months ago. And now McDaniels is out, so he's going to play a bunch of minutes. I have to at least consider Anderson assists at six and a half, maybe double-double again. Because he was so good as a facilitator and ball handler in that game against the Lakers. I don't know why they'd go away from that. So I'm going to look at Anderson assists at six and a half. I like the over. Yeah, I don't hate that. Uh, 13 assists in his last game, <clears throat> excuse me, against the Lakers. Uh, he did have a 10 spot against the Brooklyn Nets as well. Uh, Kyle Anderson over two and a half steals and blocks combined. That's at a plus money, plus 105. I do like four that. each, right? In that game, yeah, four each against the Lakers, four steals, four blocks, and then in two of the three games this season against the OKC Thunder, he has gone over this projection as well. So um, I do like that at plus money. Just for reference, he had uh, one steal, one block in the first game this season, but the last two games in December, two steals, four blocks, and then three steals, one block. So I definitely think he can get over this projection here for tonight. Anything else, Scott, for this game before we get into our lock and dog? Uh, I am looking around potentially at taking an under on Edwards' assists. I see under four and a half assists is plus 115. Mm -hmm. He had five assists last game against the Lakers. Uh, None of those assists came in overtime because I believe he had all four points in the last like, (laughs) But the non-free throws, he had both field goals in the last 11 minutes. So (laughs) I I believe that uh, those came before that, but... I do kind of wonder if Edwards, after coming off of such a bad game, shooting the basketball, if he just doubles down on the shots and he's trying to get back on track and maybe he doesn't get his teammates that involved. 
Mm-hmm. But five, like four, four and a half assists on the under at plus 115. Reading off the games here, these are his assist totals. Four, three, sorry, he had five against the Lakers. So five, four, three, three, six, three. Doesn't four and a half seem a little bit high for an Edwards guy that's always going to be in shoot first mode? Yeah, and I think like you talked about, like if you like Kyle Anderson assist and even Mike Connolly to facilitate this offense, someone's not going to get those assists. So it's probably Anthony Edwards. I don't think they're going to double team him either. Um, I don't think they can because of the size yeah. that Minnesota has. They're yeah. gonna, just going to throw Dort on him and tell him to figure it out. Yeah, and I think he's more than capable is Dort to defending um, Anthony Edwards here tonight. So yeah, I could get behind that under four and a half as well. It's plus money, like plus one fifteen for a shoot first guy. I think it's a pretty good deal for a sis under. Yeah. Uh, all right, Scott. Let's get into our lock and dog to close out this episode uh, for the two play in tournament games here tonight. The eight seeds uh, will be decided. Uh, I'll let you lead it off. What do you got for your lock and dog? All right. So for my lock, I'm going to go with the simple approach here. I'm going to go with the thunder plus the points. I'm going to take them plus five and a half. I thought about taking them as the, as the money line choice, but I'm sure you will. So we'll, we'll switch it up a little bit. I'm going with the thunder plus the points. Simply put, I trust this team more than Minnesota. Besides the fact that Minnesota completely just fell apart in that Lakers game. They also check every red flag box that you look to fade in a team right during this time of the year because you had players fighting with each other in meaningful games at the end of the regular season. The chemistry shot, I don't think Finch is a good coach. We saw them blow a bunch of double-digit leads in that Memphis series last year, and Mm -hmm. they immediately blew another double-digit lead against the Lakers and did not score pretty much at all from the floor in the last 11 minutes. So I against the Lakers. So I don't trust I don't trust Minnesota late in games. So there's no chance in hell I'm going to lay five and a half with them. Give me the thunder. I think they'll do what they did against New Orleans. They'll hang around the weather, of the storm early. And if this game is even a 10 point game, let's say Minnesota's up 10 in the mm-hmm. fourth quarter. Are we sure they're going to close it out? Probably not. So I'm going to take the points because you're going to give me a team with the best player on the court arguably the best two players on the court. I, I would say that Giddy's probably not there yet, but I think it's close. And you have the best closer on the floor, and you have the much better coach. So give me all those variables with the underdog at five and a half. I can't believe this line's five and a half. Like this, this should be closer to two and a half or three, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesota should be favored because of the home team. But I'll take the Thunder plus five and a half as my lock. Okay. And what do you got for your dog? For my dog, I had a couple of choices, but the more that I actually look at it, the more I actually like it. I like Edwards under four and a half assists at plus 115. That number just seems very, very generous. And I know Edwards did go over in the last meeting. I wonder how much of the assists were because he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. And I wonder if Edwards was, let's just say, 10 of 17 in that game. Would he still have passed the ball as much? I'm not sure about that, but I think Edwards, as we know, is always going to be in shoot-first mode. And I think after such a bad game from the floor, either he ends up looking sharper and he ends up making some shots, or he just once again struggles, but he keeps trying to force it so he can get himself back on track. But looking at the meetings this season against the Thunder, he had seven assists in the last meeting, which is good. He had four assists in the second meeting and he had three assists in the first meeting. And to go through the actual shot attempts, he had 16 in the last meeting. He had 22 in the second meeting. 
and he had 19 in the first meeting. Also in 13 of 19, so he did have a couple of moments where he was successful from the floor. Alec Edwards under four and a half assists, though, at plus 115, because after that awful shooting performance, I can see a world where he presses and he tries to force the issue shooting the ball. I like Edwards under four and a half assists at plus 115. Yeah, I definitely can get behind that for sure. Um, so, Locke, you take an OKC. Plus five and a half, and then your dog Anthony Edwards under four and a half assist. Um, all right, for my lock, I am gonna go to uh, I'm actually gonna be in the same game for my lock and dog. So for my lock, I'm gonna take Patrick Beverly over one and a half steals and blocks combined. I want to take Alex Caruso, but it went from one one twenty-five last game to all the way up to minus one seventy-five. For this game, but these two guys, like we I've mentioned this several times, they've just been the anchor of these of the the perimeter defense or even the team defense. And you know, talked about in that fourth quarter where everybody was buying in because of those two guys, and that's what really led them back to that comeback in the fourth quarter. And I think that we'll see more of that here tonight. Asking him to get a steal and a block here, I don't think it's a tall order for Patrick Beverly. Um, we know. He makes the effort on defense on a lot of guys in the NBA. So he's just out there running around, but he does make a difference. And I think that with seals and blocks combined over one and a half, you can definitely get over this number. I do see minus 120 on that here tonight uh, for my lock. And for my dog, give me the Chicago Bulls money line here tonight. Uh, I think that, again, this team found something in that second half against the um, Toronto Raptors. I think that's going to carry over into this game against the Miami Heat. We talked about it. Maybe the uh, roster is aging a little bit for the Miami Heat, and then it's a big question mark after Jimmy Butler on who's going to be that consistent next player for them to step up. Is it going to be Bam? Is it going to be Tyler Hero? So I think there's a lot more questions and answers for me right now for this Miami Heat team. For Chicago, we talked about the defense, but also DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. Those are your two offensive guys. And they, I like the depth of this team, right? Patrick Williams, you talked about. You have Kobe White that puts in a good amount of minutes. Coming off the bench, whether it's 15, 20 minutes, they can utilize Andre Drummond, like Scott mentioned uh, tonight against this uh, Miami Heat team as well. So, and again, the season series, they won all three of those games. Um, they swept the season series against the Miami Heat team, so they just may have their number. So, off to the Chicago Bulls as my dog uh, at plus 180 is right now the number, and also obviously going to be on that plus five and a half against the spread. So, uh, same game for me here. Lock, Patrick Beverly, over one and a half steals. Uh, Steals and blocks combined. And then for my dog, uh, Chicago Bulls money line plus 180 sprinkle, of course, on that plus five and a half as well. By the way, I'm looking at the comment section and I do see powerful mentioning that Giddy's probably the fourth best player on the court. If you go through the numbers, you're right. Uh, you're looking at the best probably being Shea, second best probably being Edwards, Edwards. maybe. Yeah. Uh, then you got Cat being third. The giddy part of it's tricky because his, his, his only postseason game, he had 31, 9, and 10. But I feel like you can make an argument with Giddy against Cat because Cat is so bad late in games that there's a multiplier effect there. Like, if I asked you who you'd rather have on your team in the final 5, 10 minutes, would you pick Cat over Giddy? Because I'm not sure I would. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's still too early for me to tell. The point is, I think Giddy's worse than Edwards and Shea. I can agree with that. Yeah. I think the Cat one's a discussion because Cat has the regular season numbers and he's had a couple big moments the regular season. In big games, though, 
When has Cat ever done anything in a big game? This Timberwolves fans would sell their soul for Cat to have a 31-10 and 10 game in the playoffs, let alone the, the nine rebounds or whatever. But I, I think Giddy's closer to Cat than you think because he had 31-9-10 and 10 in his only postseason game. I don't trust Cat in big games, so I think it's close. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking regular season, I, I'd still take Cat right now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, agree it's only that. the second season for Josh Giddy, right? This is only yeah, a second in a, in year, a regular so. season game. I agree, but once yeah. again, I've seen Cat vanish in almost every big game he's been in. Not to mention the foul trouble. He's in yeah. foul trouble all the time in these big games. I I might actually prefer to have Giddy in this game than than Cat. It might be a hot take, but I I really do like Giddy a lot. So if they lose here tonight, do you still expect Cat to, you know, kind of kiss the crowd goodbye like he did last season in the play? Potentially. Tournament? It depends how he does. It, okay. I'm gonna love it if he fouls out and prematurely, you know, kiss blows kisses to the crowd because he can't play in the final five minutes of regulation. But it's the thing about Cat, though. It's not just the questionable shot selection, etc. It's the really dumb fouls and the fact that we I roast I've roasted Jaron Jackson for it for the entire season, which is why I don't think he can win Defensive Player of the Year. It's mm. because he's constantly off the floor because he can't stay on the floor because of foul trouble. Cattle always pick up the dumbest reach in fouls in the span of about a three-minute stretch. And I think he might get into foul trouble in this game because he's very aggressive with his hands and he commits a lot of really dumb fouls. Yeah. I don't think Cat is a smart basketball player. I think that's the problem. Yeah, so when and if or if he hits game-winning free throws here tonight or a game-winner, The I think Twitter, uh, NBA Twitter is going to uh, go Look, crazy. if Cat hits a game-winner, <laughs> I'll be the first to apologize to him, but I have not seen him step up in big games enough for me to trust him with a winner-go-home game. I just can't yeah, do it. Definitely, I agree. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for this episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast for the two play-in tournament games here tonight. To find out who is going to be the eight seeds in their respective conferences, we are actually going to be back uh, tonight uh, to talk about the first round uh, or sorry, game ones for Saturday tonight. So uh, we're time is so TBD. We'll, we'll figure that out, but we'll tweet it out. But uh, join us tonight uh, sometime, maybe after the first game, we'll figure it out. But we'll definitely be um, uh, here tonight to talk about round one game one matchups for Saturday. So come join us then. Guys, if you haven't already joined the NBA Playoff Challenge, the Survivor Challenge happening over on the SGPN app, it's free to enter. It's a $250 cash winning prize and a $100 gift card to the winner to the SGPN merch store. So hop in if you haven't already. Um, and like I said, we'll be back here tonight uh, to discuss the game ones for Saturday. Uh, make sure to follow Scott on Twitter at Rice Radio. Follow me on Twitter at uh, SportsCern824. If you guys want to hang around, I am doing a podcast with Chris. Uh, we'll probably live stream it here on the NBA channel here. So if you guys want to hang around, we'll probably be going another 10 minutes here. So uh, definitely look out for that. We'll give you our player props for um, game ones and also tonight. Uh, so if you guys want to hang around and join us, we'll uh, be talking about player props uh, for the weekend. But also... Uh, Find it on the PropCast feed and also the NBA Gambling Podcast feed. Scott, anything else? No, not really. Uh, looking forward to the games tonight. Underdogs still undefeated against the spread, so I can't say that it's a shock that both of us like the underdogs in these games. Uh, I'll be watching. I'm looking forward to the hockey playoffs, though. My Islanders got in. The Nets got in. They play tomorrow. Might not be in for long, but at least they got into the thing. <laughs> so it should be fun. And, of course, you got baseball 
whatever money you make on Tampa with Berrios on the mound tonight for Toronto, you might be able to roll over maybe in some second half live bets. Yeah, then you got Kikuchi tomorrow. So for the yep. Rays. So yeah, keep that in mind. All right. Uh, we'll be back, like I said, till then. Good luck with your bets here tonight. Let's break these books off and let it ride.